Okay, everybody have a little uh, sheet. We've tried to leave some room there, not a great deal, but some room for you to take notes, and I hope you'll do that. So let's pray together, and then we'll visit. Father, thank you for each one that's here. I pray you'd greatly honor and bless their lives as a result of being here tonight. Thank you, Lord, that they're willing to take some time away from their studies to come here and to learn. And Father, I pray that you will do a mighty work in their lives tonight. I pray that you'll give them a vision for what you have for them and that someday you will lead each one of them to the very person you want them to marry, that together they will build a godly home. And Father, that you would greatly honor and bless their lives together because we prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I never will forget when I was a freshman at Texas A&M and I went over to the BSU one night and, uh, and the BSU director's wife was speaking. We had a love courtship marriage week there. And of course, the Aggies loved that. It was an all-men's school at the time. And you could get them to come to something at the BSU that night when the week you were talking about dating. And I never will forget what the BSU director's wife, I never will forget her message. And incidentally, let me encourage you when you come to BSU to always bring paper and pencil with you. Bring your Bibles. Like Thursday night when I come to, to Vespers, sometimes I don't bring my notebook, but I always slip paper into my Bible. And I want to be ready to take notes. I tell you what, if you didn't get notes on Denise's message last week, I don't think you'll ever hear anything any better than that on contentment. The fact is, some of my guys didn't take notes, and I'm getting after them about it on my team. They're going to have to listen to it again and take notes, okay? <laughs> because uh, I was talking to some of them, and uh, I just uh, think if you'll do that, and then uh, take the notes you have tonight, Get you some manila folders, right? Dating on one of them and drop it down there. Uh, and, and you can have those notes for the rest of your life. And there'll be times that you may be speaking or you may have an opportunity to share with someone or you want to do some thinking yourself and you can pull that out. When I was a freshman, I remember this message the BSU director's wife gave. She had three points. Your God, your goal, and your gal. You know, your God. Your relationship to God. And she talked to us about that. Your goal, where you headed in life, your gal, uh, the kind of girl you ought to date and marry. And so I went up to her after that and was talking to her. And I said, you know, Ellen, I'm 500 miles away from home. I don't have a car. I don't have money. It's an all-men's school. At the time, I don't have time to be dating. I don't have the opportunity. But I don't believe that that limits God from eventually leading me to the person he wants me to marry. And she said, well, Max, I agree with you, but said, you'll just have to prove it in your own life. And I can remember walking back to the dorm that night and think, okay, God, before you, by your grace, I will prove it. I will trust you to eventually lead me to the right person that you want me to marry. And I'll share a little bit more about that with you later. Okay, there are two types of dating. I believe it's Dwight Harvey Small in his little book, Design for Christian Marriage, mentions these two types of dating. He said, one is casual diversified. Now, that's the dating that, that you did back in high school, uh, the type that where you go with someone to a church banquet or you go with them to a school function, where you're dating a number of people on a friendship basis. 
dating maybe a number of people on a friendship basis. It's just casual, diversified dating. Dating perhaps a number of people on a friendship basis. Now, usually that kind of dating ought to be people your own age. I mean, it's not usually good for a 16-year-old girl to be dating a 25-year-old fella. But it's just that type of dating is usually the first dating you encounter. Now, there's another type of dating, and that's the steady exclusive. That's when you narrow it down to one individual to see if God might lead on towards engagement and marriage, uh, where you narrow it down to one individual. Now, one of the sad things about the steady exclusive is if you narrow it down too early, you can miss a great deal in life. I know even when I was in college back right after the ark, uh, you know, there, and, and even in high school, there were people that uh, you would see this, where here would be a couple in school, and they'd begin, maybe the first, they'd never dated, and then they begin to date, and then they're together all the time, they're not around others, they cut off friendships, and they just spend time with just that individual. As a result of it, they didn't develop the way they could, they didn't develop friendships, and then sometimes when those things break up, it's, uh, it's really a sad situation because they've so isolated themselves from others. And so certainly most of you as freshmen, you are not ready for this ex steady, exclusive dating. One of the worst things that can happen to you when you're a freshman is to be in love. Let me just say that. I remember uh, a number of years ago when Ralph Neighbor led the freshman ministry team. He's here a number of years. About During the time he was here, about 400 different freshmen had come through the freshman ministry team during the years he was here. And he said, out of that 400, I only knew two that started dating when they were freshmen and really uh, that God ever led any further out of, out of the 400. And uh, e even those two... Uh, that did get married uh, had a, a really, really rough time. Now, I'm not saying that God won't. You may uh, have an interest in someone right now, but I am saying to you, be careful. Now, you want to be getting your walk with God established. And that takes some time. You don't want to go into a marriage being immature spiritually because it takes a great deal of spiritual maturity to really make a marriage work. So right now, you want to be growing and developing as a person. And so be careful about uh, getting too serious too quick and not, uh, and not doing the growing you need to do. Now let's talk about some of the purposes and benefits of dating. One, it can help you to develop your personality. That's one of the benefits of dating. As you begin to relate to someone, you begin to learn more what you're like, you learn some things about relationships, so that can be one of the things, uh, one of the benefits. Another benefit can help it can help you to understand and communicate with the opposite sex. Uh, you need to learn to understand the opposite sex. Men and women are different. They're different psychologically. They're different in their thinking. You will find that out as you, the further you go in life. You'll be amazed at just how different we are. And dating can, can help you to learn to understand people of the opposite sex. It can also help you to develop your role. You learn what a fella is supposed to be like, what a girl is supposed to be like. I remember talking to a godly missionary in England, 
And uh, she has uh, just a beautiful spirit. And many people had said to her, and I think I shared this with you earlier when I talked with you. Someone asked her one time, said, how did, how did you learn this beautiful, uh, submissive spirit that you have? She said, well, I learned that from Denny while we were dating. And where a fellow learns to take the lead, to be gracious, and uh, yet to take the lead in a situation. Uh, you learn something about your roles you can in a dating relationship. You learn some things about the social graces. And guys, I would say this to you. Manners are extremely important. Uh, a lot of times guys say, oh, manners, that's just a little thing of the culture. No, it says loud and clear to someone else, I am thinking about you getting out and opening the door for the girl. Now, I know a lot of people don't do that, but you girls, I think you ought to sit in the car. If he gets out of the car and walks on in the dorm, he'll discover after a bit that you haven't come in and he'll come let you, let you out. But guys, you need to learn some things. You need to learn to be considerate. Manners say to girls, Hey, I'm thinking about you. And so you need to learn some social graces. You need to learn to sharpen your personal appearance. As I think I've said to you before, most guys never comb their hair till they start dating. You know, I mean, uh, so it can help you with your personal appearance. You know, one of the things that I'm grateful for is number four. It can help you to determine God's will concerning who you are to marry. Uh, that's one of the real advantages of dating. We live in a culture in which we are allowed to date. You know, I have... Uh, traveled a little bit overseas and been in some countries in which parents made the selection for the children. wouldn't vote for that system myself. I like the idea of your being able to date a person and get to know that person before you've ever made any commitment to them in a long, on a long-term basis. So dating can help you know someone. You may meet someone here at the BSU. You're around them as far as you know and, and your observation of them there maybe here's a person you think really is a fine person as you begin to date them then you can find more about them what's their goals where they're headed in life what do they want and so dating can help you in that way can help you to determine something about the person is this the kind of person you'd want to spend your life with so you get to know them before you've made any commitment to them. Another advantage of dating is it gives you opportunities to minister together. And also to see if you're interested in the same type ministry. I didn't bring the notes with me. I looked at them today as I pulled some out of the files. But right before Sandra and I were married, we went to a conference. And I was praying about asking her to marry me. And I was talking to one of the speakers at this conference. I never will forget what he shared with me that day because he and I were just sitting in a room talking. We'd just gotten to talk. I wasn't where I had my notebook with me and I went back to my room that day and wrote down the notes what he said because I didn't want to ever forget what he had said. And I still have those notes today. He said, when you get come to get married, it's very, three things are very, very important. One is that she be a Christian. And we'll talk about that later. Number two, that she be a committed Christian. Number three, that she's interested in your type of ministry. Now, when I got married, I didn't want a girl who just, quote, sang in the choir. Now, that may be all some fellas want, but it wasn't what I wanted. And I hope it wouldn't be what you would want. 
I wanted someone that was interested in sharing her life with other people that together we could give our life to making disciples. And so it was important to me when I began to date her to watch over a period of time, see how she responded. How did she respond to having a quiet time? How did she respond to memorizing verses? How did she respond to trying to meet with some girls and help them personally? And I can stand here and honestly say before God, because Sandra, my wife, had not had some of the privileges I had. She had not been around people that were talking that much about disciple-making. She was trying to do what she could when I met her. She was teaching a Sunday school class out in a little mission. She was doing some things. But as I began to share with her about disciple-making, I kind of watched over a period of time, and I decided before the Lord that if she did not begin to respond, and I didn't say this to her, but if she did not begin to respond in that area, then I would walk away from that relationship. Because it was important to me that we be interested in the same type of ministry. Now, let me list some pitfalls for you. There's some dangers to dating, some pitfalls, and the three especially that I think of. One is an irresponsible use of time. Have you ever seen people begin to date and then they just spent so much time together they neglected their studies, they neglected their friendship, they neglected their ministry. I have seen some students on this campus who were having a tremendous ministry. I never will forget one fellow that was in the athletic dorm. He was a manager. Uh, we kind of were working with him and helping him, and he started having a tremendous ministry over there with guys leading Bible studies. He met a girl here at the BSU. They began to date. I would be over on the campus at night. I'd go different places to visit. I'd go by his room. He was never there. I began to, as I talked with him, I found out he no longer knew what was going in the guy's, on in the guy's lives like he once did. He was spending all of his time with this girl. Now, that was not just love. That was immaturity. See, it's fine to spend some time together. And eventually, that's why you get married, is because you want to spend all your time together. And I am for people, once they begin to get engaged or they begin to get more and more interested, it's right to spend some time together. But it's never right to block out the rest of the world. It's kind of the idea you can take a penny and hold it so close to your eye it can blot out the whole world. And so you don't want a relationship to blot out everything else. And especially while you're in school. Irresponsible use of time. Your parents sent you here to get an education. Of course, a lot of them are hoping you'll get a mate somewhere along the line, either in college or after. But use your watch out about the use of your time. And it's not just the time that you're together. It's the time that you're on the phone together. It's the time you're thinking about each other when you're not together. If you don't watch out, you'll find that you're not using your time like a disciple of Jesus Christ ought to use his time. So be careful about that. Getting involved in a situation and letting that just consume your time. And it's a sad thing. That same couple, I could, they got married. Later the fellow I was in the office one day walked in there and he said, I am living in hell on earth. Now they were Christians. I believe, and he did too, this was a girl that probably he should have married, but I think they jumped the gun. They got married too early, and as a result of it, there were tremendous pressures on their marriage. 
And one of the things that had happened, we, we could see it coming because of the way they were using their time. One night I was over in Walker dorm and I was going up to visit some fellows and it used to be before they built the petitions there, those were all study lounges. The postal center just south of there at one time was a dorm. And so uh, I walked into that dorm one night and this fella that was from the BSU and he and I had been working up on the fourth and fifth floors of Walker. And I just happened to be going over there to visit. There were two of the fellows I was trying to catch and I saw this a fellow down there with his girlfriend studying. So I walked over and chatted with him a minute. And he said, where are you headed? And I said, well, I was going up on the fourth floor to see if I could see Gary and Steve. And I said, would you like to go with me? And he said, yeah, I really would. So uh, he said, let me... Uh, so I walked on over by the elevator and I saw him talking with his girlfriend and it was pretty obvious to me she wasn't real happy about the situation. She lived in the, the dorm just south of there at the postal center at the time. So he came on over and we went and made our visits. I saw him the next day. I said, uh, could I ask you a question? And he said, yes. I said, uh, your girlfriend wasn't real happy with either me or you last night. Is that right? And he said, yeah. She, uh, I said, she didn't really like that when y'all were sitting over studying and I came along. She really wasn't very happy about you going with me to visit somebody at that time. Is that right? He said, yeah, she really didn't like the idea of me not walking her back to the dorm. Well, you know, it's a giant walk. You know how far it is. I mean, it's... Well, anyway. <laughs> I said to him one day, I said, let me ask you something. Now, you were sitting over studying. Did you have a date with her? He said, I said, no. I said, let me ask you another question. If after Vespers, I walked up to you and said, hey, some of us are going over to the dorm and visit, or, you know, here are these guys we've been trying to work with, and we won't go out and have a Coke with them. If I ask you to go with us, I said, your girlfriend really wouldn't like that, would she? He said, no, she wouldn't. I said, because you're supposed to take her back after Vespers. Isn't that right? And he said, yeah. I said, let me ask you something else. Do you all study together? He said, yeah. I said, do you eat together? He said, yeah. I said, so basically what you do is you have a constant date. So anytime anybody ever asks you to do anything, she's upset. I said, friend, you are headed for serious trouble. You need to tell that girl, listen, I, you can ask her for a date, like if you want a date on Friday night or sometime, and you ask her for a date, but don't have a constant date. Well, they eventually married the same couple this fellow that I was meeting with, out of the group of his three best buddies, three of those guys now are BSU directors. Bob Anderson is at Kansas State. Brett Yon is at University of Nebraska. Larry Woods is at Michigan State. The other fellow desperately wanted to be a BSU director, but he cannot. You know why? Because of his wife. And she's not with him. And as a result of it, this is one of the most miserable men I think I know today. Now, watch out for the irresponsible use of time. When you're dating, it's okay to spend some time together. Let me tell you another illustration. When I was in college, Chester Schwar came to speak at a church. And I got up and they had a 6.30 breakfast each morning and I borrowed my roommate's car 
And I went over each morning to hear him, and I'll never forget him telling an illustration one morning at one of those breakfasts. This girl was dating this fellow on the campus, and she uh, had been trying to help some girls on the floor, had a Bible study and some things going. One night, her boyfriend called her and said, Hey, I've got a few minutes, uh, some time away from studies. Can I come over and pick you up, and let's go out and get a Coke? And she said, that'd be great. As soon as she hung up the phone, three girls from down the hall came to her door and said, you know, we don't have to study tonight. We've enjoyed so much some of the things you've shared. We really would like to just ask you some questions and talk with you and just spend some time with you. She said, great. Let's go have a Coke. My boyfriend's coming over and we'll just all go have a Coke. Now the boyfriend shows up. He knows absolutely nothing of that. And you know what she thought in her mind? And she said to herself, I'll find out where his heart is. So she goes walking downstairs with three girls with her. He came to pick her up to go take, go out to get a coat. And she said, I want you to meet some of my friends. I've been telling you, these are my friends on the floor. I've invited them to go with us. I hope that's okay. And he said, sure. And they went out on a date and they shared they had a tremendous time. She had made up her mind that night that if he reacted to that, that would be the last date she would ever have with him. That guy, he didn't know what was happening. Now, they're married. They have a beautiful family. But she put him to the test because she thought if all he is interested in is me and he does not want to share me with others after we get married, this is not the kind of guy I want to marry. I thought, wasn't that tremendous? Guys, that's scary, isn't it? Would have been easy for a guy to blow it, you know. But isn't that great that she felt the freedom to do that? Now, another problem is irresponsible use of money. Watch out for that one. You really have gotten to like this little girl and Christmas is coming up and you spend much more on a Christmas present than you can really afford. Or you go out and take her to nice places to eat too much. You ought to take her to a nice place sometime. But be careful about the use of your money. Your parents, others are perhaps trying to help you go to school. And so watch out as far as how you spend your money. The beautiful thing about around the university, there are a lot of fun things you can do that don't cost very much. Another thing is you can get involved physically and cloud your relationship to the Lord. Now you know what I'm talking about. You begin the physical. I'm not just talking about sex. You know that's off, and I'm going to say something about that later. But I'm talking about the hugging and the smooching and and you begin to get the ball rolling in a direction that it should not go right now. And you come in, and some of you right here, you've come in from dates and you felt guilty. Instead of being able to come in from a date and feel clean and feel like, hey, I can come in and I can pray, I feel great. I've not done anything on this date that I would not have done if Jesus had been sitting in that car. Incidentally, He was. Right? And I just want to say this to you. Just This is free. 
One of the things you, you deeply need to develop in your life is a tremendous awareness of the presence of God. That He is with you at all times. You never hide anything from Him. You ought to memorize some verses like Hebrews 4.13. All things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Psalms 139.23. And different verses about just the, the awareness of God. God is with you. Okay? So you want to... You do not want to do things on your date life that will cloud your relationship to God. You want to be able to come in from a date and you feel clean. You don't feel guilty because you've been involved in some things that you know are not honoring to the Lord. Now I'll say some things to you later about uh, the physical and some things, but uh, you, you want to be very, very careful. Get to know the person before you ever begin to get involved in any way physically. Then your standards of purity should be determined by God's Word, not your past experiences, not from your culture, not from your peer group. You need to get some standards worked out from the Word of God. And let me just list some of these. I think Bill Gothard mentions the first two I'll share with you. I will not establishing and I will not establish a dating relationship with a non-Christian. Now, please uh, don't don't try to uh, mess around with that one, because you'll get it. You can get in serious trouble. Do not date non-Christians. I don't care how nice they are. The issue is not that they're nice. The issue is that Jesus Christ is not Lord of their life. You cannot be two if Jesus is the Lord of your life and the center person of your life and He is not that person, there's never a way that you will really be one and you're headed for serious trouble. Do not establish a dating relationship with a non-Christian. Don't date to try to witness. That's dangerous. Don't date somebody in order to witness to them. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, a lot of people say, Well, that's talking about marriage. No, it's not. You study the context, that can apply to business. It can apply to dating. So don't get involved with a person who is not a Christian. Number two, I will not establish a dating relationship with a Christian who is not growing. That's on the back, in case you want to flip it over. Okay? Now, that's the idea of the person The person says they're a Christian, but as you look at their life, they're not growing. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.14 talks about the natural man. In 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, it says, Whereas among, there is among you envying and device, are you not carnal and walk as men? And it's the same Greek word that's used in chapter 2, verse 14. It means you look like a lost person. And there are people who say they know the Lord, but in certain areas they look like a lost person. Maybe some of their behavior is like a lost person. And so you do not want to establish a dating relationship with a Christian that's not growing. And girls, it's awfully easy for you to get trapped on that one. Here's some guy, he'll go to church if you'll go with him. Well... 
Do you want to be married to a guy and you have to get him up every Sunday morning and plead with him to go to church? I mean, if he doesn't have the get up and get to go to church, leave him alone. Unless you want to be in a situation like that. See, be careful. Be real, real careful. That's why you want to see that this guy or this girl is going to walk with God. And it's obvious to you they're committed to Jesus Christ and they're going to walk with Him. Either with you or without you, but they're going to walk with Him. Okay? Now, number three, I will not let dating interfere with my own personal walk with God or my ministry. I've already said some things about that where you get involved with too much time. Don't let dating interfere with your personal walk with God. Don't let be always spending time with that person instead of having a quiet time. Don't punch your ministry uh, in order to just get time with that person. Number four, I will not do anything in my dating life I feel like is not glorifying to God. Where you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, I want to mention two things especially here. Immorality is wrong, even if you love each other. And here's some verses I'd encourage you to memorize. Uh, Genesis 39, 9-12 is the story of Joseph and his temptation. He said, Neither is there none greater in this house than I am, neither has he kept back anything from me, but you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spoke to him day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time Joseph went in the house to do his business. There were none of the men of the house there within. She caught him by his garment saying, Lie with me. And the scriptures say he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. That's the way the King James puts it. He fled. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee youthful lust. 1 Corinthians 6.13 The body is not for immorality. It's for the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 This is the will of God that you abstain from sexual immorality. Immorality is wrong. I don't care if you love each other. I don't care if you're planning to get married tomorrow. It's wrong tonight. Now that has already happened in a group this size to some of you. What do you do about that? You confess it to the Lord. God forgives you. You start over. And do not believe the lives of Satan that, hey, you've messed up. God will never lead you to the right person. You've ruined your life forever. That is a lie. When God forgives, you start over. Now, that's no license for you to go out and sin, but it is. God does offer us forgiveness, and so you start over. Okay? And so be careful about that one. And then defrauding is wrong. Defrauding means stirring up desires which you cannot righteously satisfy. Stirring up desires which you cannot righteously satisfy. That's why all the hugging and the smooching and the kissing is wrong because it stirs up desires which you cannot righteously satisfy. Now, there comes a time. I'm not saying that there is absolutely none of that before you get married. But I'm saying you need to be on further down the line and where there's a commitment to each other before you begin to be involved in that way. Don't stir up desires which you cannot righteously satisfy. That's defrauding another person. And as long as you're single, you are not able to engage in sex. And so therefore, if you cannot cook, 
don't turn the fire on. Does that make sense? Okay? And that's why, girls, fellas, I would say to you, one of the reasons we're so excited about you being in the BSU is our desire is to help you in all areas of your life. We would like for, for you girls here and the fellas, and I can't speak for all of them, but I mean, I, I hope that you could go out with them and feel very, very protected. And I hope that's the kind of fellows that you will date, that you will not have to worry about fighting them off of you. You know, I had an experience in college one time I'll never forget. I had gone home one summer. In the church where I went on Sunday night as a Baptist church, there was a we had we were talking in a, what we called in a, a training union. We were talking about witnessing. I noticed a girl there. There were about 20 of us there, home from college, and and I noticed this girl. She was very, very attractive. I couldn't help but notice her. I'm not blind, and so I thought, you know, uh, I'd like to ask her for a date. But I also noticed something else. I noticed that night as we talked about witnessing, she was very, very interested. Now I also know how deceitful a heart is, and I thought, yeah, yeah, she just happens to be the most attractive girl here, but. She's the one that's really interested. So you're going to date her because she's really interested. I thought, well, the Lord knew about all this, so I prayed. And I felt led. I felt peace about asking her for a date. I mean, as peace as a scared guy can ask, I mean, can, can feel. Uh, and so I asked her for a date. That night, I was getting dressed to go up and uh, pick her up on that Saturday night. And so mom uh, came in and uh, was talking to me and she said, uh, you have a date with Roxanne? I said, that's right. She said, what are y'all going to do? I said, oh mom, I don't know. I said, if we could do what I'd like to do, I wish we could just go get a Coke and continue to talk about what we were talking about Sunday night. And my mom said, now son, you need to know something about girls. They don't just like to talk about the Bible all the time. They like to go to parties and they like to go out and eat and they like to be taken places and go to movies. And, and I thought, that's right, and I, I enjoy some of that too. But I just know that where I was at that point and what I was thinking. And so I was driving up that night and I thought, Lord, you know, maybe Mom's right. Maybe I'm just a fanatic. Maybe I, I'm not well balanced. I know what I'll do. And guys, I'm not recommending it's normally what you do on a date, but I thought, I'm just going to ask her what she would like to do. And so I go pick her up and I said, Roxanne, you know at the movies tonight, there's two movies and you know this is showing at this movie and this is on at the other movie. Would you like to go see one of those or uh, which one and, and what would you like to do? You know what she said? She said, you know, we could do that at one of those if, if that's what you would really want to do. But she said, you know what I, what I would really like to do? She said, I'd like for us to just go out and get a Coke and let's continue to talk about what we were talking about Sunday night. <laughs> so we went out, we got a Coke, we had a tremendous time. I took her back, I pulled her in front of her house, and she started crying. I mean, that's very perplexing to Aggie, and I didn't know. <laughs> Fellas, you got to learn that. Girls run over at the eyes every once in a while, and it's hard, sometimes hard to figure out why. But anyway... So I said to her, Roxanne, what's wrong? And I, I was, I mean, I was baffled. I didn't know if I'd done something or what. And she said, uh, I said, did I do something? She said, no. 
She said, Max, and here's what she said. She said, I didn't know there were guys like you still alive. I mean, I didn't know I was that weird or something. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you know, let me tell you something. She said, my dad was killed when I was a little girl. Said later my mom married. Said she had to, there were some of the years of my growing up and mom had to leave me quite a bit because she was working. Then she married again. And said later my stepfather was killed in an automobile accident. She said, you know, I matured rather early and that was pretty obvious by looking at her. And she said, you know, I started uh, dating fellows that were older. Said I didn't have any supervision. I wasn't a Christian. I was left by myself a great deal. She said, I did a lot of things I'm really not proud of. And said, then I started college. And she said, some girls in the dorm where I was were going to the Baptist Student Union. And said, they invited me to go. And said, I went over and I loved it. And she said, you know, some of the girls on our floor, we got together and we'd talk about what we're hearing at the BSU. We had a Bible study. And said, uh, I became a Christian. She said, God changed my life. She said, I was so excited. said, I couldn't wait for BSU meeting to start. And said, I was over at the BSU one night and said, the BSU president asked me for a date. And she said, man, I came back to the door. I was, she said, immediately I, I accepted, of course. And said, I came back to the door and said, I was so excited. I was telling the girls I had this date. And I thought, boy, this guy is probably one of the most godly fellows around. And she said, Max, we went out on a date. She said, I was never so disappointed in, in my life. Said he couldn't keep his hands off of me. He said he pawed on me just like all the other fellows I'd ever dated. And she sat there and wept. She said, I didn't know there were people like you still around. Now, I went back to college. I never dated her again. But driving home that night, I thought, God, you have shown me something I wanted to know. Somewhere there is someone who wants to live like I want to live. And that was a tremendous encouragement to me back in that dorm, back on that college where I spent five years at, a man, uh, at an all-men's school. And I knew in due time there was somebody out there because God had given me evidence there were people like that that had a heart for God and didn't want guys who just pawed all over them. Number five, I will trust God concerning a life partner. Proverbs 19.14 says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You may inherit houses and land from your parents, but let me tell you guys, if you get a prudent wife, a wise, practical woman, it's going to be a gift from God. I want to say three things under this. I will be willing to be single if God so chooses. Now, I didn't say you like that, but I just think that's one of the places where you need to come to in your life. If God asked you to be single, would you be willing to? Well, yeah, but He wouldn't. Well, I, but if He asked you to, would you? Yeah, but He's not, you know, He wouldn't do that. If 
he asked you to be single, would you? Well, he, you know, I, I've always wanted to find... Listen, if he asked you to, would you be willing? You're not ready to get married until you face that one. You ought to study chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians. Matthew 19, 10-12. Jesus said some have been made eunuchs by men, others for the kingdom's sake. Now, I think it's rare. It's very, very rare if God wants you to be single. If God wants you to be single, I think He's given you a special gift for singleness. I don't think being single will bother you. I was talking to a godly man on one occasion. I heard him say, you know, he said, I, I'm sure there's a gift of singleness. I'm not sure I've ever met anybody that's had it. And I think the very way God has designed you, the very way He has created your body, He has created you for marriage. But be willing to be single if He wants you to be. He'll make that very, very clear to you. If he wants you to be. Number two, I will delay marriage in order to get the training I need in my Christian life and my schooling if he so chooses. God may not ask you to delay marriage forever, but he may say to you, hey, I want you to delay it for a while. Some of you have made that choice. The very fact that you've come to college. You may have some friends like I did, got married right out of high school. And I felt like I needed to go to college. When I was in college, I was broke. Uh, I mean, basically, I had very little money. I had what I needed to eat and things, but as far as money to get married or a car or something, I didn't have it. And so, God may ask you to delay marriage to get some training in your Christian life. I know students who are seniors who are not ready to get married. They're not that far along in their Christian life. And let me tell you, when you get married, there are a lot of stresses on a marriage. And if you don't have some spiritual maturity, you can, uh, you can really be in a bind in your marriage. And so, as you well know, over half of the marriage now, 55% of the marriages since 1988, they say 55% of the people who've gotten married since, since 1988 will end up in divorce. And it's going to take some maturity and some commitment to hold your marriage together. I don't care how much you love each other when you start. And so be willing to delay it for a while. That's why get down to business for the Lord while you're here. As you know, we've had over a hundred freshmen come to freshman ministry team. But when we have freshman ministry team, we don't have a hundred here. There'll be some that'll come, but they will not be willing to pay the price to come Monday night after Monday night to pay the price to begin to get out to memorize some verses to begin to have a quiet time to get up on Sunday morning and get in Sunday school somewhere in church see there's a price to pay and some of you will be delaying marriage for a period of time but let me tell you as a result of your delaying marriage and getting some depth and quality in your life you are going to have more joy. And I think I can honestly say this. I think the first year Sandra and I were married, we experienced more just absolute joy 
than some people do in a whole lifetime. Because God, I was 28 when we got married. I'm not advocating. You have to be that old. She was 25. I don't think I got married one day too late. God needed to work in my life. And as a result, of, I had so far to go and so many things to learn. And I would just encourage you, now is a time while you're in school to begin to grow, to get your education, begin to move on. And in due time, God will bring the person into your life. It may be someone you know right now. But don't be rushing. Don't rush headlong into marriage too early. And then number three, I will only marry when I am convinced that this is God's will for my life. You can know by faith. I will only get married when I'm convinced this is God's will. Proverbs, well, let me share something with you. I want to read you something, some notes here, a copy of some notes. I made when I was in college. I'd gone home one Christmas. One night mom came in, and some of you heard me tell the story, but one night I was sitting up reading the Bible. I was home for Christmas, and mom came in, and she said, Max, you need to go to bed. You look bad. I've always looked bad. I've never looked any other way my whole life. She said, you're so thin. You need to get some rest. You need to go to bed. Well, I went to bed. After a while, I couldn't sleep. And I was just particularly burdened that night to pray about a wife. Mom and Dad were in the room, and after a while they were asleep. And I wasn't trying to be disobedient. I just felt like God wanted me to get some prolonged time with Him that evening. And so I got up and went in the kitchen eased in there, turned on the light where I didn't think they'd know about it. And that night I was praying and just reading the Bible and praying about a wife. I mean, I had absolutely no prospects. I'm going to read you what I wrote that night. This was Christmas Day. Tonight I'm claiming the Lord's promise for a wife. I committed myself to the Lord some four years ago, trusting Him to supply if He wanted me married and if he didn't want me married, that was fine. For Christ is all and obtains favor of the Lord. And just reading along, and that, that verse just kind of jumped out at me. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. So, man, that it really excited me. If you find a wife, you find a good thing. And you obtain favor of the Lord. God said, Whoso finds a wife finds a good thing. And then in Psalms 84.11, this was a verse I'd memorized sometime before. God said, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There was that good thing again. No good thing. And he said a wife was a good thing. No good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly. And in another verse I'd memorized came to my mind. Psalms 34.10 But they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. And I'm tremendously impressed tonight with God's faithfulness. From Lamentation 3.22 and 23. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, 3, 2 Timothy 2.13, and today especially from 1 Kings 8.56, there had not failed one word of all God's good promise. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I didn't know where that was at the time, but it's Hebrews 13.8. So as He fulfilled all His promise by the hand of Moses, His servant, He will be as faithful in fulfilling His promises to me. God said the wife was a good thing and He promised He would not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly and those that seek the Lord. God was very plain when He said good thing three times. I purpose in my heart before God 
to wait for His choice from me in His own good time forever. O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Psalms 119.89 And Lord, lead me to meet Your conditions of Psalms 84.11 being fulfilled. To walk uprightly in Psalms 34.11 to seek the Lord. Now those two things, those are requirements. Walk uprightly and seek the Lord. My great desire is that when God sees fit to fulfill His promise that together our lives may count to the very utmost for, for Christ. A verse I want to share with her. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. As Psalms 34.3 Now, it was, uh, I guess, about four years, three or four years after that before I met Sandra. We dated about three years, still praying three over three years, praying if this was what God wanted for us. Determined we would not get married until we knew it was God's will. And I can stand here and tell you tonight, and this is the absolute truth, when we got married, we were so convinced this was the will of God, I knew if I did not marry her, I would be disobedient to God. Now, God can lead you and will lead you in that area. But I had to make a decision when I was in college that right now is the time to get out into business for the Lord, try to have a ministry. As long as you live, you'll probably never have a greater opportunity for ministry than you have right here. Some of you are living in a dorm with literally hundreds of people your own age. If you're not living in a dorm with them, they're all around you. You're in school with them. Some of those people can be influenced to walk with Jesus Christ. If you'll get down to business, walk with Him, use every opportunity you can for growth while you're here, and God will lead you to the right person. Now let me just say this. God doesn't like to take a ten horsepower girl and hook her up with a two horsepower fella spiritually. Girls, if you want a godly guy, the best way to get him is not chase him, but you walk with God, become a godly woman, and you're going to become be very attractive to some godly fellow in due time. Fellows, you want a godly girl, then you become a godly man. And in due time, God will lead you. Okay? Thus endeth the preachment. <laughs>